Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. How's everybody doing this morning? You know what? <laughs> you guys seem like some people who need God's blessings. Am I right about that? Amen. All right. Well, then that's what I'm going to do. Why don't you either close your eyes or just focus or however you want to do that. And I just want to pray God's blessings over us. Father, I ask you, in your mighty grace, to bless this church family. Move our hearts towards Christ. Lord, I ask you to give us care where we need it, to give us peace in our turmoil, to give us help in our circumstances, Lord, to give us joy in our trials, and give us spiritual fruit, Father, so that we might be glad followers of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. That feel good? There's something that's even a little bit better, which is a ma- what? What could be better? For that, I'm going to ask Kevin. Come on up here, Kevin. I do have a sword, so let's go quick, quick. I won't use it on you, though. Not yet. (laughs) You're going to love this. All right. Now, focus again, but this time I want to pray God's blessing specifically on him. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for Kevin. I thank you for the salvation you've given him, for how you've used him for blessing he and his wife and his family. But Lord, I pray, God, your blessings on Kevin that he right now would know and feel that you have your love for him has never been and will never been be greater than it is right now. That you personally know him and love him and keep him and care for Kevin. Lord, that he would know that he can trust you in all the ways because you are good. And that he would find your mercies new every morning. And he would find himself cared for and loved by you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said? Amen. Amen. There you go, man. All right, now everybody else. Let's, who's next? No. That would take a while, but it would be good. Some of you are like, oh, no, not me. Um, the reason I wanted to do that is sometimes... I feel like, and I, feel, I think I feel this way, and I think you probably do too. And as we think of our salvation, we think of God, we sort of think of general. Like, Jesus saved us, and that Jesus died for us, and so, so like I put my faith in him, and, and, and there's like a, a little bit of a distance there. And, and, and my hope for us today is to really understand, no, 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 no. Jesus saved you. He loves you. Not just Kevin or me. He loves you. And that can get a little scary because he knows you. He knows every. He knows more about you than you know about you. And he draws you close. And so I want you to see him as a personal savior. Let's pray one more time. Well, not one more time, but before I start, Father, we we do thank you that you are sovereign, as we just sang. So therefore, every one of us is here for a purpose. Your purpose whether we were dragged here by parents or a friend or we stumbled in on our own or we're so psyched to be here, whatever the case might be, whether we're in this room or we're online, you have a purpose. You are sovereign. And I ask for you to move in our hearts to remind us or maybe teach us for the first time that you are a personal God. You know us and love us. In Jesus' name, 
All God's people said, amen. We've been, if you're visiting, we've been going through this um, series, uh, seven different things that Jesus said from the cross. And it's really, I want you to think of it as a journey. A journey that by the time we get to Good Friday, we're kind of caps it, right? That we'll really focus again on, on the cross. And then, of course, Resurrection Sunday. It's not just a time to you know, get with family and have fun and eat some good food. I hope you do all that. But it's a time to celebrate our risen king. And there's something about the journey getting there that makes it all the more fruitful. And so the first two sayings, if you're with us, came from the book of Luke. But this one is going to come from the gospel of John. And, and catching you up to speed, I know you probably know the story, but, but Jesus has been falsely tried. He's been handed over to the Romans. They've viciously beaten him, spit on him, mocked him, uh, just scourged the worst, it's a, the worst form of whipping. And, and, and he's, meant to, he's made to carry that crossbeam to the skull outside of Jerusalem, Golgotha or Calvary. Right? Those are just different languages that means the skull. And he's there and, and, and he's in between two criminals. And we've seen two sayings so far. The first, as he's being viciously nailed to that cross, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Personally, forgive them. And then last week we saw where he's, he's, he's numbered with the transgressors. He's in between two criminals. And, and one of them actually in faith just says, will you remember me when you're in your kingdom? And he said, truly today, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so he's on the cross. And there um, he, John gives us this unique Thing. It starts with the soldiers, which isn't unique to John. We saw the soldiers. They did these things. And remember, not only mercilessly killing him, but, but, but actually taking his clothes and gambling for his last tunic, the last thing he owns. And they did these things. Now, in contrasting that, you have this other group who loves Jesus, right? It says, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So all the Gospels tell us of, of this group called the, the women. They're disciples and followers of Jesus. Um, and, and, and some say they're afar off, and here they're near, and some are like, see, it's a contrast. Jesus was on the cross for a while. And imagine if you're there, and you're in that group, and you love him, and, and you're even his mother. And, and imagine, like, you, you come close because you want to encourage him and speak to him, but then you can't take it anymore, and you got to go far off because it's just such a horrible, hard thing. And John, in the midst of this, gives us such a beautiful, soft moment and a hard, cruel time of the cross. And, and so, it, amongst those, the, those women are Jesus' mother. And so, it says, as, they, as they draw close, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. Now, in the Gospel of John, John wrote it, he didn't ever name himself. You'd think that's pretty humble until you see how he did identify himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He wasn't wrong, however, and, and he was probably Jesus uh, amongst his, his very best friends and, and inner circle of the apostle and um, might even possibly be Jesus' cousin, right? And, and so he's nearby, he's, he's with these women, and he said to his mother, woman, Behold your son. Now, why woman, right? 
Now, I know in English that sounds rude. Like, woman, get back in the kitchen. Don't you ever say that. (laughs) Steve, you better not clip that and put it out there on social media. I'll be in deep trouble. Deep trouble. I got enough problems. I don't need that. But no, that's kind of how we think. But that's not. It's, it's, it's not meant to be that at all. But it is interesting, right? Because, and I don't know. I, what I do know, I don't know if this is why he says that this way. But we do know he has to look at Mary in two different categories. On one hand, that's his mom. Right, that's his mommy, right? That's who, who, who raised him and who he has had to care for ever since, most likely, Joseph had died. He's nowhere on the scene in Jesus' public ministry, and, and he's not here now, right? And so, so Jesus being the firstborn son, it was his duty to take care of Mary, and he, of course, he did, right? But now he's dying, and he, yeah, he's going to rise, but then he's going to ascend. He's not going to hang around for much longer, and so he looks personally and he has to see her as mom, but he also has to see her as a woman, a human being who needs a savior. Really kind of unique. And so in his dying moments on the cross, he has the amazing depth of compassion and, and just personal attention to look at his mother and care for her. And say, well, you need someone to care for you, and it's going to be John. You're now his mother. He's your son. Because he said to, um, to, to John then, he says, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So, in a way, this isn't just a blessing to his mother. It's a blessing to John. Like, John has a mother, but imagine if you get a second mom and it's Mary. Like, this is a godly woman. This is a, a woman who is, is really uh, blessed, and, uh, blessed by God and is a blessing to others. And so that's the third saying, him in this pain and agony, looking personally to both Mary and John and taking care of them. That's the heart of Jesus. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about Mary in a bit. Because I think, it's one of my pet peeves, is Mary has been um, so misrepresented. Like this idea that, that, they, that, that long time ago they put Mary up as someone to be prayed to, as an intercessor, or as, as close to God. Like, like that's not biblical at all. But on the other hand, because that's happened in error, some have kind of reversed course and sort of shunned her a little bit when I think she is one of the greatest examples of dis, uh, uh, to be a model of a disciple of Christ that we have in our scriptures. And I do want to see that. But first, and always first, we must gaze upon Jesus. What in this saying do we learn about Jesus? And the first thing is that Jesus is perfect to the end. To the end. He's perfect. Now, I almost started with he's human, and that's important, but I think we'll get to that when he says he's thirsty a little bit. Why is so important? Like, you can't just imagine that, that yes, Jesus is fully God, but he's not just on a cross going, all right, I'm going to deal with this, right? That, that yes, he never ceased to be 100% God, and I know this is a miracle that's hard to grasp, but he, he took on 100% humanity. He, he felt sorrow. He felt uh, hurt. He felt grief. He felt pain. He was tempted. All of those things, just like you and I, except he was perfect. 
right? Like, like for you to need, imagine you're in a horrible quicksand, right? And, and you're sinking. <laughs> the last person you should turn to for salvation is someone else next to you who's sinking. That person might want to save you, but they're sinking too. That's what it means when anytime we like to look to another sinner to save us from sin. We need a Savior who is fully human and can take our place, but is also perfect, not in the quicksand with us. Two things, we always talk about this, right? That there's two things that have to be in place to be saved by someone. Number one, they got to want to. And number two, they got to be able to. If you and I went on an excursion, and for some dumb reason, and this would be really dumb, is you uh, uh, decide to climb hundreds of feet up on this rock face, and you uh, slip, and you're dangling by a rope, and all you got is me, and there's no footholds, whatever they call them. Listen, I barely climb steps. I certainly don't climb mountains, so I don't know, all right? And I'm standing there, and you're like, help. I want to help you. I, I do, but I can't. If I go up there, we're both dying. So sorry, you're on your own, right? Sorry. I'll call 911. We'll see if I have service. But, but so, so, like, I might want to save you, but I can't. So that's the whole point. Is Jesus needed? Now, how does this saying show? Uh, it's just an example. But Jesus, this is the fifth commandment. This is part of the law. Honor your mother and father. Jesus did that right to the very end. Even in his dying moments, he honors his mother. It's one example of how Jesus completely fulfilled the law. Never, ever sinned. Not only wants to save you, but he can. And he does. And so we learn, as I, this is why I began this way, that Jesus is a personal savior. Right? He looked personally to, to Mary and to, to John. He had looked personally to the criminal next to him. Last week we saw that. He looked personally to, the, to those when he said, Father, forgive them. Like, like he is a personal Savior. He's not just a general Savior. And I want, to, like, I want you to imagine that if, if um, you got uh, uh, really down on your luck and you really uh, needed a helping hand and this charitable organization was so meaningful to you and got you back up on your feet. And, and you owe so much to that organization. And that organization was started by a multi-billionaire, a great philanthropist, and he started this. And, and so now you, you hear there's like a, a dinner where you can meet this guy. And so you go to it, and you have the opportunity to meet the man who started the charity. And you go up and you tell him, your charity, man, it saved me. And he would say, that's awesome. What's your name? Where are you from? What happened? What's your circumstance? He doesn't know you. How could he? That's not Jesus. You're not getting to heaven and say, I put my faith in you. And he's like, oh, great. What's your name? Where are you from? What did I save you from? That's not Jesus. He knows more about you than you know. He is a personal savior. And I need us to understand that if you're not a Christian, you need to realize that he wants you. You, not just general us, you, me, don't you, I, I don't know what you've done, but he does. And for those of us, many here who are Christians, this means there's this box, okay, that I have, and it's not the box of problems, for those of you who are used to that. It's a different box that I created that all of us, I think, have, and some it's heavier than others. This is the guilt box. You got one of those? I do. Not circumstances, 
Circumstances stay with us in this world, right? They'll be gone someday. But the guilt box are the things that we hold on to. That if Jesus really knew this about me, but if God really knew this, like, we might not say it like that because we know that's not really biblical, but it's how we operate. That if he really knew the garbage in my life, he wouldn't want to save me. He wouldn't want me. So there's a distance between us and God. Like, I'll just, um, we're friends here, right? Oh, at least one person. That's good. <laughs> Two. All right. So I, let me just get vulnerable a little bit with you, okay? I know you're a little, we'll, we'll survive this. You're a little, well, what's he going to say? Oh, no. I, a few years after I, I um, became a Christian, I got gripped with this guilt about um, when I was in grade school. And I was a pretty happy-go-lucky kid, got along with most everybody, but there were times where I joined with others and was so mean to a few different kids over the years. You know how that can happen. Like so, and the guilt, like, like if I, I, even today, if I could take a time machine back, I would do it and punch myself in the face. Really. That's why like, I see a kid getting picked on now as I go into a rage, and I think I'm as mad at myself as anybody else. And, I, and that just like felt this horrible guilt and shame. You know why? Because I don't know. Those kids are obviously in their, their my age. They're in their 40s now. I don't know what's going I've lost touch. I don't know. Maybe they're still carrying that. What I did to them could still be scarring to them. I hate that. And there's times where I carry that guilt or have carried that guilt. And, it, and, it, and so it's kind of like, like Jesus, he died for me, but I mean, he didn't die for that. And believe me, that's just something I'm willing to share. There's other things you don't want to know. And there's things about you that I don't want to know. And, and it, sometimes that's the distance that keeps us from God. And what you need to know is, is in Christ, this, you got to bring it to the foot of the cross. And you got to realize it's empty. Like it is empty. You don't carry guilt anymore because Jesus personally died for you. He's the only one who could, and he did. And so that's why we sing, that's why we pray, and that's why we continually say here, the cross is enough. It's enough. I need you to hear me say something. I need you to hear me say it. Jesus doesn't regret saving you. He doesn't regret dying for you. Me, you. Not personally. Don't think of it as some religious thing. He died for your sin. The deepest, darkest, horrible thing that you want. Like, he knew it and he took it. Personally. That's how great he is. Take that guilt. Dump it out and don't pick it back up again. If you've been to a Good Friday service, we usually give you an opportunity to hammer a nail. It represents that guilt. I'm nailing it to the cross. Some of you pick it up and put it in your back pocket when you leave. Not the nail, but the guilt. And I'm just, I'm begging you to, to empty that box. Now, <laughs> he also um, cares for us in a way, in, in, in a different box. That Jesus is a personal savior, but he's also unselfishly compassionate. I wanted to say completely, but I just didn't think I could say that real fast. He's completely unselfish 
and compassionate to you. To you. Don't get stuck. I, I, I put my faith in Jesus. No, I'm going I'm to try to be a good person. And I'm going to try to do Like you, what, what you need to know that you need him. Just as we just sang, you need him. Every hour, you need him. Every hour. Not just if you're in, in guilt, but that other box that I said the guilt wasn't. Well, I brought the other box as well. We've got a couple boxes. This one's a lot heavier. <laughs> this is a box of problems. This isn't just your guilt and shame. This is your stress, your anxiety, your worries, the stuff people have done to you. I know I'm in some of your boxes. I get it. <laughs> some of y'all in mine. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Just don't think of this when you're thinking of me. But this gets heavier and heavier. It's all we see. It's all we see. And you need to know he is not just personally your savior. He's your Lord and king. And he says, cast them on me. Right? Uh, my favorite place, well, one of my favorite places that this is, is worded is a short sentence by Peter when he just said, casting all your, not apart, all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for us. No, 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 no. You. He cares for you. Yeah, but if you knew what I did, he knows what you did. He knows what you've been through. He knows and he cares. His compassion. I mean, he's on the cross. He's looking at the criminal. He's forgiving the soldiers. He's looking at his mom and John. Like, <laughs> this is who Jesus is. This is why I think in, way back in church history, they did elevate Mary where she didn't belong because Jesus got painted as this somber, angry guy who just tells you you're sinning all the time. That's not Jesus. Jesus wants you to come to him. Like think about throughout scripture, right? Like, like the woman caught in adultery. She says, he says, that, that, you know, he says, does anyone condemn you? Well, neither do I. Now go. And sin no more. Leave it with me. I'll take it. I'll take care of it. Like the woman um, at the well, Samaritan woman. <laughs> I know your situation. Come. Come to me. Drink from that. You'll never thirst again if you come to me. Zacchaeus. Remember wee little Zacchaeus? Love that guy. You know what the problem is? Everyone hated him. He probably hated himself. He was a chief tax collector, and he climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. But I'm sure hoped that Jesus didn't see him, but he did. And he looked at him, and he said, Zacchaeus, get, out, get down from that tree, and let's have lunch. Let's talk. That's who Jesus is. So take the stress, the anxiety, the pain, the, the whatever is gripping you and holding on, you're holding on to, and cast it on him. He can take it all. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. You. He cares for me. And that's who Jesus is. But I don't want to close without just looking at, briefly at Mary's story. Because I, Mary is such an amazing example of what it means to trust God. We shouldn't miss it. You, you, you can't be Mary, but you sure can look at man, woman, boy, or girl here. 
Watch what now. You probably know whatever your church background, at least the beginning of her story. But if not, let me catch you up. She's a teenage girl, probably a young teenage girl. She's betrothed, but not married yet. And and so she's just a teenage girl. If you're a teenage girl, that's who that's who Mary was. She wasn't floating around in the air with a, with a halo on her head. And she's there, and she's got all the stuff that a, that a teenage girl is about to get married has going on. And an angel named Gabriel visits her. And says, you're going to be pregnant. Me? I know how that works a little bit, and that can't be. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't stress it. You're going to be pregnant with God's son. What? Imagine that Jesus. So that's Mary. She's just like, she has questions. She's confused. She's like, what's, like what, what are we dealing with? What's, what's going on? And how could this, this be? Right? And, 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 and Luke tells us this, that at the end of all of that, she said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Remember our bow series? Mary is such a beautiful example of that. God's word is so confusing, so terrifying, so what are people going to say about me? What's going to happen, right? But I'm going to believe God's word. And then obey, because whatever voice you believe, you obey, right? They're linked. And then she, uh, you know, the, the um, couple verses later, she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. And she completes the B-O-W and she worships. Watch just what Mary says. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She knew she needed a Savior and she knew it was God. How crazy to think that the agent of that salvation would be carried in her womb. And then she continues, right? She, she, she worships. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And they have. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of what are people going to say about me because I ain't married and I'm going to start showing in the midst of all of that. What's Joseph going to say? I don't, you know what? Holy is his name. He's holy. He's good. I trust him. That's Mary. Now, you know the story that they have a baby and Jesus is laid in a manger and the shepherds come and all that, right? On the eighth day, good Jewish family, they, they got to bring their firstborn son to, to uh, dedicate to God. So they bring Jesus. And if you remember the story, there was a, probably an old man, although it's not, he's not called that. His name is Simeon. And he was told by God that you will not die until you see, until you see the Christ. So somehow the Spirit showed him. This couple, this poor couple walks in. Little baby, that's him. That's him. So he prays this amazing blessing, right? And imagine if you're married. Just imagine you're, you're receiving this blessing. This is so good. I'm so blessed. I get to do this. Like, this is awesome until he turns to her, right? And, and, and first, this is, this is what Simeon said. Simeon blessed them. And then he said to Mary, his mother, 
Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mary, there's going to be a cost. This is a word that you see. Um, that's why I brought my sword. Well, it's not mine, but there we go. I know this is going to make you nervous. And I don't know, we got crazy stuff happening today. That's why I got a sword. Don't, don't do it. I don't care if you're a kid, don't do it. I got a sword. This sword should be bigger, but they won't let me have a bigger one, okay? And when you see that, it doesn't mean little knife. It means, so he's saying, Mary, you are blessed and you are chosen of God and it's going to be amazing. And that child is going to be like the rise and fall, the fall of the chief. We've seen that chief priests have fallen because they won't believe in him. And from the ashes of sin has risen the criminal next to him. But you, Mary, you're going to have to stand there and you're going to have to watch, like, I don't know if Simeon knows this. And that's why maybe, you know, I don't know. If, if Mary's like me, and she isn't, but if she is, she's hoping that that's the sword. All the, Like when Jesus, you know, fell and started crying because he bloodied his knee. Oh, that's the sword? No, that's not the sword. The sword is much bigger than that. And it will, it will jab into your soul. And that as she stood at the foot of the cross... She had to watch. Remember Jesus sees Mary in two categories. She has to see him in two categories too. On one hand, that's my baby boy. That's my son. I raised him. I love And he's perfect. Like, that's crazy. We all love our kids. And we maybe think they're perfect until they're a viper and a diaper. And you're like, oh, they're not perfect. Jesus wasn't any of that. Jesus was perfect. This is my son. And yet the second category is more important than the first category. And that is he's also my savior and he needs to do this for me. And she, this is how I picture it. We're not giving her any words. But she stood there. Right to the end, she trusted and she believed and she obeyed God. Right to the end. We even see one more spot in Acts chapter 1 after Jesus has died and risen and ascended and there's less than 200 believers praying and then the Spirit's going to come and everything's going to change. But before that, they're praying and look who's there. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They weren't believers at the cross. Something about seeing them rise from the dead changed their minds. Mary, she was straight through it. Just amongst God's family, holy is his name. I believe, I obey, I will continue to walk as he calls me to walk. Mary is for us a model, a faithful follower of Jesus. She's not put aside him. She's not in between us and him. She's amongst us who had to look, and that cost was great, greater than anybody but Jesus, that she had to let her son die for her. She had to watch that take place. Mary is a model disciple for us to follow. She's obedient even when it doesn't make sense. You relate to that? God's word? God tells you to do something, calls you to do something out of your comfort zone, and you're just like, 
It's hard. She was obedient through it all. She just kept going. She was obedient even though she was confused and at times I'm sure discouraged and didn't know what was right. That's the Christian life. I wish I could tell you it's mountaintops all the time, but if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that's not true. So much of it is, is the, 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 the running in mud, right? But, and, and, and you're just like, that hurts. And, and the world, it, it screams at you, come over here. It's more fun. It's, it's better. It'll ease your pain. And Jesus says, keep at it. Like, keep going. And that's what Mary did. And what I love is that she can be a model. She, she went right to the end. She endured by God's grace. She endured all the way till she was in paradise with Jesus. So can you. I want, like, I want when, when somebody, not me, does your funeral, don't die on me. I don't got time for all that, all right? That they will say that you finished your race. You fought the good fight. You finished the race. You kept on going when others gave up. You said, I need you every hour. I need you. And in that, you and I are people who sing. That's why we sing. Some of us sing better than others. But we sing in the face of the enemy. That we look to he who is on high and our help is coming. His, his mercies are new every morning. We are wonderfully cared for, and we know it, and we believe it, despite everything. And we have, as Mary did, the hope in the struggle that we can sing, holy, holy is his name. And Mary, and so are you, is blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed on, on the mountaintop experience, and you're blessed in the deepest pit. You're blessed in the tranquil waters, and you're blessed in the deepest seas. You and Christ are blessed. Know that personally. You are blessed. Everyone in the world might say you're horrible, and you're this, and they label you that, and you say, no, 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 in Christ, I'm blessed for all of eternity. I am his and he is mine. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray for my fellow brothers and sisters that each and every one of them, by your grace, by your power, would endure so that they will hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And that Somebody, somewhere, maybe me, maybe somebody else will say they ran the race and they completed it and their joy is complete in you. So I pray that we would empty that box of guilt. You took it all, Jesus, personally. And that we would lay the box of problems at your feet because you care for us. And that like Mary, it'll be said of each one of us, our hope in the struggle 
is in you alone. Lord, if there's anyone who walked in here not having, ever having believed in you, that you open their eyes that for the first time, that even right now, they'll just say, Jesus, save me. I believe you are salvation. Give them the faith, God, to believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you can, stand with me, let's sing.